0: And uh, we are continuing today in this message series we've called Enough. And that song is uh, something of a kind of a theme meant to sort of remind you as we uh, go through the book of Colossians. So today we are in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be picking it up at verse 6 as we're calling this Roots. And uh invite you to find uh, your place if you have a Bible with you, Colossians chapter 2. Your uh, Bible or, or a smartphone Bible app. Uh, we also keep Bibles available, available for you every week, either at the connection center or up here at the front. Just help yourself as you come in. Well, um, I don't know if you've got all your summer plans lined up. Some of you, uh, you know, we're the we're the good ones that stayed home this weekend, and, and we're here. Lots of our friends are perhaps having a good time over the long weekend, but I I don't, but your summer plans, one of the things that we're doing this summer, Becky and I are going to be attending a family reunion for my dad's side of the family. I've got something like, I tried counting them up, I'm not really sure, I think like 27 cousins, and then they're all, they've all either are married or have been married, they've all got kids or grandkids, and you know, most of their kids are married, and then seven of my my uh, dad's generation are still living and they've all got spouses. And so there's to be, I don't know, a lot of people at this deal, a hundred people probably. Um, and some of them I have not seen easily for 30 years. I mean, I would not recognize them if I bumped into them at the grocery store. And so you think, well, why would I bother to fly north, take time away from from work and everything else to go hang out with a bunch of honestly, just DNA-connected strangers. That's all we are, DNA-connected strangers. Well, the reason is we have roots, shared roots, right? It's like I've got this family tree and all these branches, and we're going to take a little time to try to figure out, okay, how do these branches all connect again? And as we connect those branches, it gets a little closer to the trunk, Right? And, and and we discover that we have a shared history and we have a shared heritage and we have shared grandparents and we have shared, you know, funny family stories and, and funny inside, you know, family jokes and, and all those things. And for me that gives my life some stability and some joy in my life. I look forward to that. Um you know, twenty years ago, probably thirty years ago, I would be like, I'm not going to that dumb thing. Right? <laughs> Honestly. Here's how corny our family is. Okay? My last name is Weeb or Weeby. We have a we have a Facebook page, Facebook group. It's called the We Belong. Yeah. It only goes down from there. I mean, we are not cool at all. Um, it's a family full of nerds, but uh, I'm I'm looking forward to getting to know them, right? We have shared roots. Now last week, uh, if you're here Sunday morning, we, you may remember we talked about that the mystery of Christ in you, the mystery of Christ in you, one of the things we said, it takes you further, further in your spiritual life. Meaning that Jesus in you is meant to break the status quo of spiritual immaturity, which is where we tend to drift to or to where we tend to land. So Christ in you takes you further into a fully devoted relationship with Christ. A believer who never matures, who never grows up, in their faith, and never kind of progresses in their Christian worldview or or Christian behavior, that person, we'd say, is stuck in an unhealthy spiritual status quo or a spiritual immaturity. And Christ in you is meant to help you grow in that, get further along. And the way the Apostle Paul expresses it here in Colossians 2, uh, we're about to read in just a moment, is that we're commanded to put down good roots into Jesus. And so we're going to explain, well, what does that mean and, and how do you do that? So if you've got uh, your, your Bible open or you've found Colossians chapter 2, I invite you to stand back up as we read from God's word, Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 10. He says this, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Verse 8 says this, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is head the head over every ruler and authority. We thank the Lord for his word today. Let's be seated together. So Paul's got this thing going on. He says, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, or just as you received him as Lord, you must continue. Uh, In 2016, that was kind of our theme verse for the year. Continue, keep moving right? Starting something is really not that difficult. Starting something new is not that hard. Financial plan, you, you maybe you're going to take Financial Peace University this fall here at the church or some similar financial course and you're going to learn planning and you're like, yep, I'm going to do it. I'm going to get on a budget. We're going to save. We're going to get out of debt. We're going to do it. And then oh, this really nice pair of shoes is on sale. You think, okay, what?" Well, After the pair of shoes, then we're going to get right on it. It's easy to start something and it's kind of hard to keep going, right? You start in your education and you're going to do it. And then you take a little detour and 17 years goes by. and You're like, I meant to get back to that, right? Fitness, I often joke about, you know, my need to get into shape. And it's easy to start a fitness plan. I've got a little video here that, uh, illustrates this very well. Can you, can you roll that? why I will work out. And I'm one of those people, whenever I do work out, I immediately have grand plans. You know, I'm gonna work out every day. And then the next day I'm like, well, not every day. I gotta let my muscles breathe a little. I'll work out every other day. And then the next day I'm like, eh, I'm happy with the way I look. I don't want to get caught up in that beauty culture, <laughs> right? Some of us can relate to that, right? I'm still letting my muscles breathe a little, right? The real measure of commitment is continuing what you started. But how do you continue in what you started? When we're particularly talking about spiritual concerns and spiritual matters. Well, this visual that Paul has is that we, we are a tree or a plant that puts down Good roots it was not a new image, by the way, for him. You can read back in Psalm One that the that the person, the godly person, is someone who's like a tree planted by streams of water. Their roots go in, and they got fruit for every season. You you may know, for example, that I love sequoia trees up in the up in the Sierras. And any of my out of town guests, they get dragged up there, whether they want to or not, because they got to see the Grant tree, and they've got to see them. Here's a picture of my brother. He came in March. My poor brother lives in snow. And I say, hey, you got to see the sequoia trees we drag up there, dragging them through snow. A poor guy is like, can you give me some sunshine? But, you know, I I take everybody up there, whether you want to be or not. I mean, who wouldn't want to see those great, grand, massive trees, right? Thousands of year old, biggest living things on the planet. I love it. And of course, then 150 years ago, those lumberjacks who came in and said, hey, we ought to chop these down. Which is a little hard for our sort of environmental conscious kind of worldview now to, to grasp, but they saw a great financial opportunity in those trees. Now how do those trees survive? Roots. They say that, that a, a mature sequoia will have roots. They, they don't have a tap root. They don't have one big root that goes down the middle. They, they have a, like a mat of roots. It could be as deep as 10, 12, up to 15 feet deep and up to an acre Spread out. Huge. I mean, that's that's some serious ballast for these massive, massive trees, right? Holding on. Now, I've got a picture here. That is a tree that was not planted in particularly good soil. This is at um, Meadow, Crescent Meadow in uh, in Sequoia National Park. And some years ago, that tree toppled over because it wasn't in particularly the right kind of soil, soft ground. If they're in good soil, if they're in stable ground, right, they can stand for millennia, for thousands of years, those trees, when they cling to the rock that is the Sierra Mountains. And we're the same way. I mean, if you're going to weather life's challenges, if you're going to stand strong in your faith, if you're going to grow more mature, if you're going to figure out how to make this faith of yours real on a day-to-day basis... Whether you're at work, or on the ball field, right? Or in the campground, or on the boat this summer, or in the backyard, you're going to need roots into the truth and into the reality of your faith in Jesus. That's what helps you, lets you, causes you to stand. It's really about making much of Jesus. Making much of Jesus and making much of the gospel, of salvation by faith in Christ. Paul warns in verse 8. I've got this one on the screen. He says this, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. Don't let anyone do that because you're constantly bombarded by by worldly philosophies that want to minimize Jesus, want to take your mind captive to the lies of the enemy, particularly the lies that that Jesus is not Lord, that he didn't create everything, that he doesn't sustain everything by his word. Lies that, that you know, you can do whatever you like and there's no consequences for that and so on. Don't, pulsing, don't let that happen. Because it's easy to start believing what you see and what you hear when you get away from the truth. And instead we're challenged, we're commanded to put good roots in. So I'm going to ask you three questions this morning to help us kind of do some self-diagnosing on this um. Journey of of maturity, and the first is this that that we could ask ourselves: Am I clinging to Jesus? That's about those roots clinging to the ground, that tree clinging to that rock. Am I clinging to Jesus? Now, of course, someone's going to say, "Well, that sounds kind of weak, kind of clingy. That's kind of a negative word, right? Only a feeble person needs to kind of cling to something." And I, I disagree. I disagree because we all put down roots somewhere. Well, cling to something or someone. It might be money, it might be work, it could be hobbies, or your habits, or it could be a person. But in some things, you put down roots, whatever that pastime is, perhaps, and where we put down our roots determines what the fruit and what the branches are going to be like. Where you put down roots determines what the fruit and the branches are going to be like. Now, I love uh, coffee. I probably have mentioned that before. For me, it's both a hobby and a habit. So, it's perfect, works together. And, and good coffee beans have different flavors, uh, to them because of, in a coffee tree, the roots will bring up different kind of, uh, qualities or, or, or different tones, uh, from the soil. Now, I kind of think it's a little bit imagined, uh, people who say, oh, this tastes like, you know, but it is true that the roots determine the flavor and quality of the beans. So, for example, I, I buy sometimes I buy green uh, beans for roasting, and I buy them from a distributor in Oakland, and they publish, you know, they list all their beans in their catalog and the different qualities. So let me just, just you know, they're little. A little snooty on this. Let me just you'll see what I what I mean when I read this. So they're advertising the Burundi Kaganda Marambi lot. Marambi is a medium body cup with mouth cleansing acidity, undertones of raw sugars. You're thinking this when you drink a cup of coffee, aren't you? Right? And pressed cane juice and top notes of black currant, red apple, and spiced finish. Really sweet and complex from city to full city roast levels. Um to me, it just tastes like coffee. But to them, it tastes like pressed cane juice and notes of black currant and red apple. Really? Really? I challenge you, when you drink our... We have good coffee, by the way. We use Mariposa coffee. And uh, when you drink your coffee today, we just encourage you to think about what kind of tones our flavor. Most of you, it's the uh, French vanilla creamer. That's all you taste in there. Some of you like a little bit of coffee with your creamer, but that's another old deal. But it's all part of continuing in your faith in Christ. Your roots go down into Him, giving you the stability and the stress of life, yes, but also flavoring the fruit that your life produces. Now, here's how you'll know if someone has good roots. Let me give you some examples. You'll know them by their fruit, and that would be things like this. You know, someone who's... They encourage you with thoughtful compliments they're not quick to criticize they they're generous with their giving and with their serving they they listen to the teaching of god's word they 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 pay attention they participate in worship they're known in their on on, on their street as the good neighbors in that street that's that's fruit that comes from having good roots it comes from clinging to jesus putting your roots into him by getting to know Him. By, by, by enjoying the Bible. By talking to your Savior. By being in fellowship with other believers. And more. And I would say you can do this. Because you are going to cling to something. I guarantee it. You're clinging to something. So why not cling to the one who holds all things together? The one who made you with purpose and value. Why not cling to Him? Are you clinging to Jesus. That's the first question. There's two more questions. I think we could help ourselves to, to help us mature in this relationship with Christ. And, uh, and, and we pick it up again in verse 7. Paul writes this. Let your roots grow down into him. And let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. Here's the second question. Am I growing in my faith? Am I growing in my faith? How would you know if you're growing in your faith? Physically, there's ways to determine growth, right? In my my home, we many years ago, um found this nice piece of cedar on a, when I was a carpenter. I was thrown away on a job site and I'm like, oh, that's going to be perfect. We have dragged this with us in different places we've lived. And you know what this is, right? It's a marker board. Way down here, Stuart at birth, Alex at birth, oh, Alexander at 30 months, Stuart at 6 and a half, Oh, Alex at 11 and a half, Stuart at 16 and a half. Mom and dad are down here somewhere, right? It's pretty easy to measure physically when someone's growing. As a kid, you even know it because you know you can reach stuff that you you couldn't reach before. You could you can see in the mirror in the bathroom when finally you know from when you were a little kid, and then you grow and grow, and you can reach the the top shelf and in the in the kitchen. Um, when you're little, you're you're an expert at jumping onto the counters and and reaching up and getting what you need to. I'll tell you a story about that sometime that nearly ended in my demise. All right. Then you then you achieve milestones like getting your driver's license, and you finish elementary school, and you finish high school, and you you head off to college if that's what you did. So you can measure your physical growth, but what about spiritual growth? Are there are there ways to measure your spiritual growth? There are there are ways. It's maybe more um, abstract, but it's things like this. You know you're growing in your faith. When you react in more christ like ways in challenging situations, right so instead of fear and panic, maybe you pray or you experience peace. Well, one of my friends facing a cancer diagnosis recently said you know i 'm just really at peace about this i 'm just really experienced a lot of peace well that 's not just something you conjure up that 's not just something you just manufacture that happens." When you've grown in your faith, I bet you could, you know, explain that to to other areas of, of your life. Or let me give you another scenario. Let's say that a friend of yours lets you down by by break, betraying your confidence or or breaking a promise they made to you. How would you com, You know, how would you react today compared to say five years ago, three years ago? When you think about those kind of scenarios, have you made progress? Has your response style changed at all? Would you be less likely today to to lash out or to get angry or to seek revenge? Would you be more likely to forgive and to pray for them? Without a doubt, growing in faith includes gaining knowledge and gaining understanding. Absolutely. There's there's no excuse to remain ignorant in your uh, faith. No excuse to remain ignorant about what you believe. We live in a time when there's more resources than ever before that you can read, watch, listen to a podcast, watch videos, attend classes. The resources are there. But don't just let acquisition of Bible knowledge replace faith in Jesus and a relationship with Him. Because it's both. It's both. And there are plenty of people who know everything about the Bible but have no personal relationship with Christ. And then there's, you know, there's those who have a a fresh knowledge of Jesus but don't really know anything about what they believe. But knowing Jesus personally, part of that is getting to know what's in His Word, what's in the Bible. So it's both. It's all part of growing up in your faith. All part of maturing all part of uh, of you know becoming a person who produces good fruit this week, I was at um, getting some work done on the car, and it was at a, a tire shop shop and I ended up in a conversation with a, another customer We were sitting there for a long time and and uh, she was an LDS church member that 's uh, latter day saints um, mormon uh, church member and so you know for me that 's just a really interesting conversation and and we talked honestly very respectfully and You know, we asked each other about some points of belief. It was kind of fun. I think there were some other people listening in, in the little waiting area there in the, in the shop. And while there are obviously significant differences, it wasn't for me about winning an argument. It wasn't about even having an argument. It wasn't about being proved right or, you know, say, yeah, I, I, you know, I won. (laughs) Right? I had two goals in that conversation. One was, I just wanted to express the love of Jesus by being encouraging, helpful, you know, positive, complimentary. And then I wanted to proclaim the truth of Jesus, the whole truth of Jesus, that we're saved by God's grace alone through faith in Christ Jesus. And I, as I grow in my faith, I find that, that I want people to get to faith in Jesus. And I'm less and less worried about being right, being popular, being um, I just want them to have the truth. So there's no need to kind of bait someone into an argument. And that's part of your maturing process is to say, hey, I just want to express who Jesus is. Not what I know about Jesus, but who He is. That's part of growing in your faith. So we've got to ask yourself, we've got to ask ourselves, am I growing in my faith? So that's the second question. Third question is this. Am I thankful? Am I thankful? Again, let me take you back to verse 7. He says, Let your roots grow down into him, into Christ, and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. Well, what happens when someone overflows with thankfulness? Isn't it just spills out whether they mean it to or not? Right? When you... Okay, I want, here's another thought experiment for you, okay? When you think about, and I want you to do this, when you think about kind of the most, some of the most attractive people in your life, and I'm not talking physically attractive, I'm like attractive person, right? And go ahead and think about who that would be, right? What are the qualities that spill out of that person? What tumbles out of them without them even meaning to, right? Maybe it was a teacher, maybe it's a coworker, maybe it's your spouse, Uh, maybe it's a parent or a grandparent. Maybe it's one of your kids. Wouldn't you say that it's things like they're positive, they're encouraging, they're joyful, right? They're generous, they're, they're, they're thankful, they have lots of gratitude. Whatever they look like physically, those qualities make them a beautiful person. It's not about age or anything else. It's this Thankfulness, overflowing with thankfulness. Thankfulness is more than just saying thank you, which is a, a kind of a basic starting point, right? It's one of the things we teach kids when they're very young. Say thank you. Say please. Right? Thankfulness is a lifestyle of relational, I call it relational generosity. Just being generous with your relationships, generous with your your personhood to people. I um, I had the opportunity to speak at the Palm Village Chapel this last Thursday night. Um, Palm Village is a retirement community in Reedley that is, um, has kind of historical roots and connections to Bethany Church and some of our church members have, uh, retired there, moved there and, and some former Bethany members are there. So it's, it's fun. And I, I got to speak at their chapel on Thursday night and, uh, afterwards some people said, thank you. Well, that was nice to hear. But they said it in more ways than just, thank you. One said, hey, you really gave me something to think about tonight. Someone else said, I took notes on what you said tonight. Like, wow, that's good. Right? Another said, um, hey, would you stay for ice cream and coffee? Kind of two of my love languages, honestly. Right? They weren't just being polite. That's part of thankfulness over spilling. Hey, would you, would you come into friendship with us? That's the kind of things I'm talking. That's what Paul's talking about. When you're overflowing with thankfulness, hey, would you come to lunch with us today? Hey, would you, Hey, would you, you know, like giving of yourself into people's life? One lady gave me a a bag of pistachios. My wife loves pistachios. <laughs> oh, it's just such a sweet gift. She didn't need to say, hey, thanks for speaking tonight. She said it with her generous gift. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, there's ways that you overflow with thankfulness in more than just the words, thank you. I left there that evening, really built up, really encouraged, hopeful, appreciated. They asked if I would come back. I said, Yes. So I guess I'll go back. Paul recognized that thankfulness, you know what thankfulness is like? It's like miracle grow for your spiritual roots. Right? Thankful to God. Thankful to your peers. Thankful to friends. Thankful to coworkers. Thankful to your leaders. Thankful to your teachers. Thankful to the grocery store cashier. To the person who mows your lawn. And, and, and even if that person is, you know, one of your kids or your spouse saying thank you being thankful, overflowing with thankfulness. So I've got a practical challenge for you today. Alright, right, if you need to write it down, write it down. But here's my practical challenge. Today, I, I really want you to express thankfulness, appreciation. I want you to overflow with thankfulness into the lives of at least three people today. Could be here this morning, could be after you leave here, but I want three today. And it could be in the form of a compliment, could be the form of an appreciation, A thanks, a gift, something that puts that overflow of thankfulness into practice. And I will say this, if you are married, one of those three had better be your spouse. Or I'm going to, they'll tell me and you will be in a lot of trouble. Now here's what's going to happen. As you do that, as you overflow with thankfulness, your roots are going to go down just a little further. They're going to spread out just a little bit more. And it's going to be into the good soil of faith in Christ. And as you do that, you're going to bring up more good fruit. You're going to bring up more good truth, more right living. It's going to spill out from you. If we're going to make a difference in this world, honestly, if Jesus is going to make a difference in our own lives, really, if he's going to matter in our families, and our schools, in our nation, in our elections, and our state, and our city, we need... To be these kind of people. And it starts by asking ourselves. Honestly asking and answer these three questions. Am I clinging to Jesus? Am I growing my faith? Am I thankful? Let's pray. Lord, we're um, just very appreciative. We're very thankful for what you've done. That you sought us out. Jesus, that while we were sinners, you died for us. And so our thankfulness starts by thanking you, giving you our praise for all that you've done to rescue us and save us and and prepare us for an eternal life with you. We thank you for that. We we are in awe of your generosity toward us. And Lord, help us to grow grow in that awe. Lord, help us to kind of really grasp what you've done. And then, Lord, let us... Be the kind of people who are putting good roots into you. People who are intentionally growing our faith and our confidence and our trust in you and people who are overflowing with thankfulness to the people around us. You're good to us. And Lord, help us to live that out, to reflect that to more and more people. We give you our thanks. We give you our praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.